0: I'm Jim Minns, and you're listening to Minimal. My guest this week is New York-based actress Marsha Dietlin bennett And a quick production note, we had some internet interference rear its ugly head during our interview that Marsha and I were quick to point out and rectify as soon as possible. It should not interfere too much with your listening experience. Welcome to the podcast, Marsha Deatlin. It's fantastic to have you on the show.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here.
0: It's fantastic to have you. It's been such a long, I mean, our, our relationship uh, ha- has been around for a good dec- decade. We've known of each other and have communicated with each other, but this is the first time that we've verbally communicated and it's quite an honor to have you uh, in discussion.
1: Well, it's really fun to hear you. Well, I've heard your voice because I've seen your films and all that. Um, but it's nice to actually chat with you. I know we're. You say our relationship, um, cyber friends. We're cyber friends.
0: Very close cyber friends. I should have. Yeah. Should and have
1: and mutual fans. Yes.
0: Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Mutual fans of one another's work. Marsha, I wanted to shine a spotlight on you. Uh, You've been a professional actress for uh, most of your professional life, and uh, you were born and raised, according to your um, IMDb profile, Wikipedia page, in the state of Ohio. Is that right? That's
1: right, yeah. I was born in Dayton, Ohio.
0: So – uh, how does um, a girl from Dayton, Ohio, get the acting bug? Uh, what prompted it? Was some did somebody influence you at all, or, or was it a passion for storytelling? How did you uh, f- fit into this uh, into this craft?
1: Well, I was one of those people who, from a very very young age, I said I wanted to be an actor in New York. That was my that was my dream, probably from about the age of eight. <laughs> you know, when people would have like career day at school, they'd say, what are you going to be? And I'd say, I'm going to be an actor in New York. And they would go, mm-hmm. yeah, right. And I would go, no, I really am. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Um, so it started very young for me. And I, of course, I, as I went through school, I, I did all of the plays and all of the musicals. And I had some really wonderful uh, drama teachers, especially in high school, um, whom, uh, who I'm still in touch with my, my first one, Peter Westerhoff, was fantastic, fantastic drama director. And then he left and Linda Bodie came in and she also was amazing. And it's been nice to have friendships with them for all of these years as well. So, yeah, they were a big influence and also just a big support system.
0: Yeah. And what was the draw of New York? I mean, you know, historically the the impression goes that I guess most actors and actresses find themselves in pursuit of a Hollywood career. What was the allure of New York to you?
1: Well, it's so funny because I'd never been there. I had a, a poster of the skyline in my bedroom, and I had a friend, Amy Stamper, who wanted to be a nurse in New York. And I said, okay, you be the nurse, and I'll be the actor, and you can pay the bills. And she was <laughs> like, okay. Um, but, but ironically, I actually ended up in Los Angeles at 18 instead of New York and lived there for about 12 years uh, before I ever even I had visited New York. I I, I never even visited New York until I was like 21, and it blew my mind. I just thought Mm. it was the greatest city in the world, and i was Mm. so happy there. And, you know, when you find those places where you just – you step there and you go, oh, my gosh, this is home.
0: Mm.
1: New York was that for me. L.A. was never that for me. Um, I mean, I liked it. It was great weather, and now I miss it. But, um, yeah, so I, I was in Los Angeles at the beginning of my career. And was starting to work there, so that's that's the irony of it all. But I did end up in New York eventually.
0: <laughs> you did, you did, and, and we'll get to that absolutely. Did does the um, did your initial uh, beginnings in Los Angeles uh, help cement a later career in New York? Do you think, or did you have to start from scratch? Scratch, excuse me, when the initial move was made.
1: No, I think that it absolutely did. So I I was reaching a point in my career in LA where I was lucky enough to actually do a lot of theater in Los Angeles, which theater is not like a huge big deal out there. People mm. kind of do it more because they just love it. And, um, I was doing, um, a play called woman in mind at this tiny little 99 seat theater with this, you know, kind of well-known actress named Helen Mirren. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And it was like she was so she was the coolest lady I'd ever met. I was like twenty six years old, and and it was sold out every night. And it was this tiny theater, so we shared a dressing room. We all went out drinking after. She was just the coolest person I'd ever met. And and at that point, I was starting to um, get involved in other like. TV stuff like I had booked my first guest star on TV and I was starting to test for pilots and she was just so I remember one night because the play was sold out I was supposed to test for a TV pilot and we, you know there were no tickets and she literally went to the box office and said you have to get these people in because Marsha's up for this show and they need to see her in this play and they like brought them in and set them on the steps you know it was that kind of thing Um, so she was great and then Yeah. Oh, I know. She was the most amazingly generous person. I, I just, it was, she was like a mentor to me. Um, and then, so from that I got involved with a classical theater company in Los Angeles. So I was always able with a lot of incredible actors who were all pretty well-known actors, but doing television out there, but they just missed, you know, working on Shakespeare and working on Chekhov and stuff like that. Um, and so through that, I, I felt like I had got like a really nice acting foundation and I was doing a play with them at the Mark Taper Forum and my ex-boyfriend who was also part of the company, his agent named Holly Levitt, came to see the play and she was from New York and uh, that summer when I decided to go to New York, I called Holly and i said would you want to represent me while i'm in new york because my agency at the time didn't have an office in new york or maybe they did but i didn't know them mm. and she said absolutely come and mm. i'm still with holly to this day you wow. know like yeah it was a it's a very long friendship and a very long collaboration i love her dearly um and so i when i went to new york just for a month to try things out because sure. i had been working in los angeles as i said in television and in theater and I really wanted to do plays and new plays, and you know, I just wanted to be part of the. So new that York was scene. the
0: allure, wasn't and it? And so it w- I came
1: to New York yeah. just from.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say that it seems yeah. to be less less the glamour and, and, and sort of production side, and more just the allure of stage time, and, and, and you know, obviously Broadway, and, and and is that did that play a, a heavier influence in you just, just to be around the scene?
1: I think it did. I think that uh, you know nobody goes to New York to make a lot of money in the, in yeah. the business per se. Um, but I just I just loved the sort of artistic nature of New York, and I I went there for that month, and I met uh, my commercial agent Doug Keston, like the first week I was there. I was renting a room in an apartment uh, with this woman Margot Skinner, who was an actress, and she had this huge sprawling apartment, and she would rent out. Two extra bedrooms, and I'll, I'll get back to that later because I had some kind of cool roommates. Oh. Um, and so I was there, and I met Doug Keston, and he started sending me out on commercial auditions there, which I really didn't do much in LA because I felt in LA you had to drive, you could drive an hour and a half and and be there, and there'd be a hundred people waiting, and it was just draining. But in New York. It was a much smaller pool of actors, oh, you know. Yeah. Most of the advertising agencies were in New York, so it was like a very different scene. And every actor in New York was doing them, you know, to make money. Well, so you could do an off-Broadway play for no money, you know, kind of a. Thing. So I started doing that, and I I think that first month I was there, I booked um, like three national commercials, which was great financially, and then yeah. I booked the understudy in a place in a play called the food chain written by Nikki silver, who's a genius. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'm going to understudy in this play. Great. And then the play didn't happen <laughs> for, for a while. And so I went back to LA, but I felt like I'd had a really good intro into New York. I was like, this is great. Maybe I can go there and maybe I can survive there and, and financially and make a living there. And so when the play happened the following year, um, they, I went back and I was understudying an actress called Hope Davis. I don't know if you know who Hope is. I know uh, the she's name. A lovely yes. Lovely person. And yeah. Yeah. She worked. She's worked quite a bit. Um, and then I had a date to go on, like six weeks into the show, because Hope had a wedding that she was in. So I knew it was a very difficult. It was like the hardest stage role I've ever done in my life. It was completely terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll get to that in a second too. So. So I had a date to go on. So the producers were so lovely, and they let me invite. I literally had thirty-five, forty people in the audience because I knew I was going on, and all my strange. friends came, and my family came from Ohio, and my yeah. my Mor- my Mormon parents came and saw me do and say a lot of things on stage that <gasps> they were probably appalled by. There's a lot of cursing. <laughs> in it sexuality in this play. (laughs) Every time I would curse, like all my friends would look down the row at my parents, you know, (laughs) Um, it was so funny, but it was really a wonderful day. And uh, after that, the producer said, well, if hope ever leaves the show, would you consider taking over the role? And I said, absolutely. I would love that. And then I had to go back to Los Angeles. And then two months later, three months later, when hope was leaving, they called me and said, do you want to do the play? And I was like, Yes,
0: absolutely. That's so awesome. Um, so it's very, so, it's very relationship yes. based, isn't it? It's, it's very, it's you know, a lot of uh, the the mm-hmm. sort of the tale that you're spinning is, uh, it's not so much um, a pursuit of, of the right roles, but a pursuit of the right relationships, and and those are the sorts of gateway drugs or the gateway entries to where you've ended up sort of today, which is a long journey, but that's. it seems to be the tale of your career, right? It's an interwoven mix of relationships that you've come across uh, through various happenstance.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, this is a very good lead-in to talk about your favorite person.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) So that summer that I was in New York, I don't know if you know this story, um, I actually auditioned for a movie called She's the One right uh that Ed Burns had written it was the second film I think that he did right after Brothers McMullen and I I hadn't seen Brothers McMullen and I didn't know who Eddie was but you know my manager was like well he's kind of like the Irish Woody Allen and I was like oh that's so cool (laughs) and I had a call back and I met Eddie and he was so cute oh my gosh I was like whoa he's like he's not he does not look like Woody Allen. He's like way hotter than Woody Allen. <laughs> um, and I walked, and, and he was so nice and so lovely. And you know, I thought I nailed it. Uh, and then I, I walked out and I called my manager and I was like, "Oh my gosh, who is this guy? What a dreamboat!" Uh, anyway, he cast Jennifer Aniston instead of <laughs> me. And uh, As it goes, as it
0: goes. <laughs> exactly.
1: and he said something like, "Well." Aren't you glad you didn't get it, Marsh? Because then you would have married Brad Pitt, and then Angelina Jolie would have broken <laughs> you guys up, and
0: you know. <laughs> that is hilarious, Marsha, What um what is it about professional um acting? Do do you reach certain levels in your career where you have to sort of base success on a certain model, or have you always approached the uh the the job uh from a from a standpoint of as long as I sort of hit the acting roles that I want or that that I need in order to survive, then I'm happy, I'm satisfied? Like, what was the, is there any barometer that you've always measured your career by or are you just happy to, to get the work?
1: Honestly, I think, honestly, I think I'm just happy to get the work. I mean, there have been certain things that I've turned down just because I don't think they're very good or certain auditions I turn down because I just can't connect to... The material or, you know, I remembered I, I turned down a pilot test, which was probably really stupid, but I was like, I'd had food poisoning and I wasn't ready to get on a plane to go to New York. I mean, to go to LA from New York. And I was doing a play. I remember I was, up, I was doing this play off Broadway with Marsha Mason. And, um, it was really, a, it was a Michael Christopher play and it was such a lovely thing to be a part of, um, And it was during pilot season. And that was the one thing my manager used to get so mad at me, like, because I would want to do plays. Um, And then this, it ended up, you know, I I would be called to test for something, but then they're like, well, we can't really let you out because that's not a job. And it was Mm -hmm. sort of this weird, frustrating pool that I kind of realized, like, I was fine staying with the play. But at that point, I felt like the producers were kind of being a little unreasonable because, you know, if you book a television pilot, you make a lot more money than you're going to make on the entire run of the play. And so that's when I kind of had to shift things up a little bit and go, okay, I guess I'm during like the pilot season time, which doesn't really exist that much anymore, but it was always those like critical months, you know, February, March, April. And, and so then I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to keep myself free during those times just in case I book something. But I I don't think I did anyway, so (laughs) it didn't really matter. But I do remember when I was doing the food chain, when I came back to do the role, it was during those months, and my manager had put in the contract, she said, Marsha needs an instant out if she books a pilot. And I actually did book one that had, I was literally in the play on Wednesday during, you know, Wednesday matinee, out for dinner in between trying to sign the papers and everything to do the test my video went to test for me. I got the part. And then two days later, I was on a train to Baltimore. So, you know, it was good that that was in that contract. Anyway, so that was always kind of the pull. But um, honestly, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever had a a big luxury in my career to say, oh, no, I'm not interested in that or whatever. Uh, I just, I just take the work when it comes. I'm really grateful for the work, honestly, when it comes because it's,
0: as I get older, it's fewer and far between, you know, so. Is it? Right, right, right. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, this is a bit of an indulgent question on behalf of my father, who is a, uh, a legendary law and order fan. And I told him that I was going to interview you. And oh. we, we, like he, he is, I'm talking every season, multiple times. As a New York-based actor, Marsha, is it a rite of passage for every actor yes. in New York to at least appear on two, possibly three episodes playing different characters of law and order at some stage in your career.
1: I would think so. I mean, definitely I would think so. I, I, I was there a few years before I booked it and I was like, this is ridiculous. I, I kept going in on it. I'm like, every actor has done law and order except for me. Right. Uh, but do you know that that's how I met? My, did you know that's how I met my husband?
0: No, I didn't. Oh, law wow. Law that's hilarious. I didn't know that. Wow.
1: This will be a good story for you, dad. Um, So my first Law and Order, uh, my husband and I play like psycho incestuous brother and sister. (laughs) And I had murdered our mother when I was 15. I'd pushed her out the window because I was sleeping with her mobster boyfriend. And then because I was also sleeping with my brother, he covers for me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we met, actually.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's hilarious. Ripped from the headlines, that one. It, yeah, I don't know if it was. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is so funny. Your dad will
1: probably. Your dad will probably. He'll um, know it. He'll know it. It's a very it good sure. episode.
0: Absolutely, he'll know it. He'll know yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but you know, so, as I mentioned before, it's quite an eclectic career you've had, and you've popped up in some um, amazing films that um, that I've personally loved. I remember Little Children. I saw you pop up in, and the the precursor the precursor to. Um, the Wolf of Wall Street boiler room you had a you had a bit part in as well, um, is that you chasing mm-hmm. roles or do they just present right. themselves to you as you were saying before? Uh,
1: no, I mean they both both of those I just got. I remember boiler room I got the audition, and I read the script and I was like, well, it's not a very big part, and I was like, Jay, it's my agent, you know. Why should I, should I really go in on this? He's like, yeah, it's, it's this guy. And he was a grip and he wrote the script and I was like, okay. And I just auditioned and then they cast me. Like, I don't even think there was a callback or anything. They just tape you and cast you. Yeah. And I had the best time on that movie. It just was, it was a really, and it ended up being such a great film. Like was I, I, I was movie. so impressed. This, the guy who wrote it, does it Ben Horner? No, what's his last name? Anyway, he was a grip on movies. So he wrote and directed this film and all of his friends came ben and worked younger. on it. To help. Ben, yeah, there you go. Thank you.
0: Yeah. That was um, a great movie. Look, I just wanna, you know, segue back into what you were saying before. You know, it was a very um relationship. I might have got cut off in, in, in the uh in the audio uh stifle that I have to fix up, but yeah. you know, your career has has followed a path of uh, relationships. Um and a lot of the work that you get and that you're exposed to, that that you're drawn to is through relationships that uh, you meet in in uh, in the industry uh, through Broadway, through theatrics, through Broadway, but also you have had fantastic working collaborations with um, with Edward Burns, as you as you know, as audiences uh, would know from Saving Private Ryan, but is also a very accomplished writer and director in his own work. How many times have you collaborated with Ed?
1: I have done four films with him, and also a short film and then i did i was part of his tv series public morals public that Mars, yeah. he did as well so right. kind of a lot i mean I, I he's like my all through my 40s director in a way he, yeah. he he i i feel like it's some of the best work that i've ever done because he just creates such an incredible environment to work in and we just have so much fun together all of us who you know for three of those films it was a lot of the same cast that we just kept coming back. It was like a little company of actors, and we just were so comfortable with each other and and really loved each other. And you know, Eddie creates that. He he just he doesn't hire anybody who's a jerk. You know, he likes to have a good time, and he likes people to be respectful. And we just have so much fun together.
0: As you mentioned, you auditioned for She's the One, which was his um, second directorial debut. Didn't get the role, obviously, to Jennifer Aniston. He brought you back on for Nice Guy Johnny. Was that right? Was that the the film that that he re collaborated with you from?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I just auditioned. I, my agent called and he said, "Oh, Ed Burns is doing this short film out in the Hamptons, and uh, he, you know, I was like, great, great. I remember meeting him so." I went in audition. They put me on tape. Uh, I got a call back. I met and Eddie was in the room and Will Rexer, who is his sort of best friend slash DP, who's amazing. Um, they were in the room and we just had a really good time. And then he cast me. Mm. And I think I only worked one day on Nice Guy, Johnny. It was just a couple of scenes, but I play his sister in it. And mm. I saw at his sister's house, which has now been my house in two. It was supposed to be my house in in. A third movie, too. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we just had a great time that day. And I remember him saying, you know, we got to get you in on another one. You're really fun, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I would say maybe that was like summertime. So I would say maybe six months later, uh, he reached out and said, oh, the movie turned out really good. And now it's a feature. <laughs> and, and it's going to be at the Tribeca Film Festival and i'm like what so and and he did like a really sweet cast and crew screening in a little screening room downtown and had a little party and and it was just he, it was even better to get to know him and he was like well marsha i'm writing something for you in my next one and i was like really and he said yeah and i said okay that's that's great and then you know a few months later he texts and whenever i get a text from him i'm always like oh this this is good news you know um and then he, because last guy Johnny did really well, and then he's, he had written uh, a show called Newlyweds, and he'd like written a part for me named Marsha that he never changed. And uh, that's how I ended up doing Newlyweds with him.
0: Well, I mean, Newlyweds was such a breakthrough film and, you know, I, it's, it was, believe it or not, I think it's, I think we're up to 12 year anniversary of Newlyweds and it's a film that's very dear to my heart because I know I'm sorry to scare you like that. (laughs) It's a film that's very dear to my heart because (laughs) it, it, it introduced me to you, um, Ed, Ed, the reason why I, you and I have are able to have this conversation right now is because Ed contributed to a podcast at the time of the release of the film because it was a very big story about the production elements of the film. It was made on a shoestring budget, shot on a very accessible camera, and it became sort of a poster child for uh, low-budget filmmakers, for sort of sad sack wannabes like myself – and we all sort of gripped, you know, <laughs> latched onto it. And, you know, like it became our sort of go to film because it was such a great film. It turned out so well. And I think you just gravitated to my social media pra- praise. And that's how we sort of kicked off a friendship based on that. Um, h- how's it been? I think. H- how did, you know, like you said, he Ed has then since that time, and it was your second collaboration, been such a, 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 a for, an artistic force in your life and your work. How does it feel to know that somebody thinks of you when they craft a story and has a character in mind?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's super flattering. I mean, it's really kind of the highest form of praise, I guess. Honestly, especially when it's someone like Eddie who's so talented and writes. You know, he really writes interesting, quirky roles for women, which, you know, they're never just kind of boring people. They always have some sort of weird thing going on. And and he wants that, you know. So I just, I was always amazed that he, like the character in Nice Guy Johnny is sort of the sweet, supportive sister. And then he wrote this sort of great role and newlyweds and, you know, originally newlyweds. It's so funny that you say it's become this like indie darling for how to make a low budget film. I, I think it's a fantastic film. You know, originally I think I know he had only written maybe 40 pages and uh, it was going to be two movies put together. So there was going to be our story, which became the whole film. Mm. And then there was going to be another story. And I think, I think it was Harry Bechet's character was going to link the two couples. Maybe it was going to be, I don't know if it was going to be Johnny Solo's storyline or something like with his wife, maybe. Mm. Um, and then Carrie was having the affair with him. So, but anyway, that was the original concept. And then we got together and it was so much fun shooting this film because, as you know, they shot it on a Canon 5D and mm. there was. No real lighting setups. We we didn't even have a sound person. (laughs) We just we literally had like two mics we'd pass around. Yeah, we'd be like, who has more dialogue in the scene? Okay, put the put the mic here on this wine bottle or whatever. Yeah, and um and so we the first the first day we shot we we shot those two scenes in I forget the restaurant we were in, but we're sitting in like a corner window, um and. You know, we're drinking real alcohol. That—that's what I learned on Newlyweds. It's like drunk acting can be kind of fun. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, whatever we're drinking in that film, we're actually we're drinking for real. I've never done that on any other movie, by I the way. or play. Um, <laughs> but we had we had such a freedom. Uh, anyway, we shot those two scenes in the diner, like the beginning breakfast scene, and then we shot the scene where Max and I. Max says he wants a divorce, and you know storms off, and mm. uh, and they just went really, really well. And the more we just kept working on the film, Eddie would just be like, "Okay." And we did a lot of improvisation. Um, he'd say, "Well, let's try a scene where blah 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 blah," and that just kept. He just kept getting more and more material, and I so he kind of abandoned that second half of the story, and then just elongated you know, are part of the story to make the film that you
0: saw. It, was, it, it just sounded like such an, um sort of a liberating process, uh, the production elements. And and it drew me, I hadn't even seen the film when I heard Ed talking about it. And then to see the film and to see your performances and to see the freedom with which you had to create, uh, it just, it, it, it captured something different on film, which I don't think a lot of modern films, even to this day, are able to tap into unless they had that spirit.
1: I agree with you. I mean, I I joke around, you know, as we're like, it's midnight and we've all had too much wine or bourbon or whatever, and um, yeah, you know, I'd be like, "This is like casavettis, man. We're like Casavettes." <laughs> 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 like,
0: well, it's true. <laughs> that's how I it mean, felt to me. No, no, no. Well, I mean, like it's true, and 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 you could you could tell his excitement, you know, at the release of that film, and 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 I think that's a testament to it, to the to the way it endures to this day. Um, but, uh, you know, Marsha, moving on to, to your career, and, and I'm, I'm conscious of your time. How, how do you find your career now uh, versus 20 years ago? I mean, what are you striving for? I see you're working in a lot of independent uh, films lately. You've worked with Daniel Roebuck, who's another actor turned writer, director. Um, are, are you seeking things out that are, that are special to you? Are you taking things as they come? Are you, or, 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 are you finding yourselves in more opportunities now than you've ever been exposed to?
1: Well, the highs are definitely working with Dan Roebuck. You know, Dan. I don't know if you know this, but Dan is. We've been best friends since I met him when I was like nineteen years old. No,
0: I didn't know that. Okay, um, yeah, yeah.
1: We, yeah, he's he's my best friend in like the entire world, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and we met in Los Angeles. I was nineteen. He was like twenty-one. Um, and we've been really, really close ever since. And we've always wanted to work together. We, we, he was on Matlock for a number of years, so I did a couple of Matlocks. And we just never got to do much stuff together. And then when this film Getting Grace came around, probably 10 years ago originally, or maybe longer, when we first read this script, he was approached to do this, to be in it and he read the script and he said you know my friend marsha really needs to play this part she is this part she 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 needs to play this part yeah, and wow. the producers at the time I sent a reel yeah and and they were like okay yeah she's great let's cast her and then at that point the money guy pulled out and so we weren't able to make it and then dan got ownership of the script he hadn't he hadn't written that original story but he then got ownership of it and totally rewrote it and and definitely rewrote the part really so much for me and then raised the money on his own. So we were finally able to do getting grace. Um, I think we filmed it in 2016. So what's that? Six years ago or something, seven years ago. Uh, and it was the most magical experience ever Mm. because he, it's the first film he directed. He was, he's such an amazing director and Mm. we know each other so well that it was so incredible to finally be working together on that intimate of a level because it 's a really have you been able to see that in Australia? Can you get access to that film
0: i, I not personally no um, i'm searching for it but i do i do have it you know as a follower of yours I can see on the social media where avenues to get it and I can put links in the show notes but it's a very personal story is that right it's a it's a it's a story of uh, of survival uh, and and uh th- for, yeah. from someone's so cancer I,
1: right so i play the mom of a of a my daughter is dying of cancer she's a mm. 16 year old girl mm. and she's she knows she's dying and so she's determined to live and get everyone around her to live before she goes like she she befriends Dan who plays this really shy funeral director because she wants to know what's going to happen to her body. And, you know, if a woman can t- do it instead of him, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> right. And he, she, she and sort of through the course of the movie, like as she's dying, she really does teach him how to live. And I play this, her mom who is a full on alcoholic uh, pill popping alcoholic, just a mess because my daughter's dying obviously. Mm. And she, she makes sure that, you know, before she goes, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So it's a really lovely film and Dan did a beautiful job on it. So, yeah, so he has become my director in my fifties, I say. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've now made, we've, yeah, we've now made three films together. Wow. Uh, in, during COVID, we made a film called Lucky Louie, which is this very sweet, caper with that starred basil hoffman who has since passed away which is very sad wonderful character actor but i think it was his only lead role he's ever had and it was written for him um and so we did that together and then this past summer we did a movie called the hail mary um and i i have to tell you even though he's my best friend like i had to fight to play that role because because i i yeah, I read the script. He wrote the script maybe 4 years ago, and we were going to he was going to do it during COVID, but I mean then COVID happened, so it's yeah. too big of a movie to do. We had to do a smaller one with fewer people and fewer crew and stuff like that. This is a big big movie. Um so the storyline is uh, it's about this this woman who's the who's a mother superior and she runs an all-boys Catholic school for at-risk youth. She hires him. He's kind of this down and out Alcoholic maintenance guy, she hires him to come and sort of do maintenance on the building and take care of things. And then she kind of cons him into starting a football team with the boys. He'd written the role of Kathy, the lead mother superior. If you can okay. believe, I played a mother superior. <laughs> I,
0: I, I, can, I can believe it. <laughs> yes. why he was like,
1: <laughs> He just kept saying, Marsha, I know you could do it, but I just don't see you as the character because he. He wrote it specifically based on this nun that he had in Catholic school when he was right. in kindergarten. And she was like she was like four feet nine and you know just tiny little spitfire he wrote it for someone like holly hunter or something you know like a tiny little feisty thing but when i read the script i was like oh my gosh i have to play this part like he wanted me to play the mom of the dead kid i think i had no lines maybe one line and i was like i don't want to play the mom of the dead kid (laughs) i've done that yeah yeah So then i'm like just let me be a nun he's like marsh i think you're too pretty to be a nun i'm like i'm not too pretty to be a nun trust me so then he was like okay you can play this nun But we're going to get you buck teeth and we're going to – this was like another one of the nuns. And I was like, okay, great. At least I'm one of the nuns. And then I said, but, you know, I still would really like to be Mr. Kathy. (laughs) So, Jim, I had to force him to audition with me, like to let me read for it.
0: That's incredible. Because he was just like – Is that the, I mean, like, when was the last time you fought for a role like that, Marsha?
1: I think it's been a while. I mean, really, it's been, I don't know if I have ever fought for a role. And, you know, his daughter and I, his daughter Grace and I were, like, collaborating. And she's going, well, maybe if you just do an audition tape. And I said, I don't want to send in an audition tape. I want to read with Dan because he's my best friend. We have wonderful chemistry together. We know Mm -hmm. each other so well. I'm like, I need to be with him so he can see what it feels like. And so I was driving to Ohio and I was stopping in Pennsylvania to see Dan to get my buck teeth made for the other nun I was going to play. <laughs> and, then, um, and I was like, Look, Can we just read these two scenes? Because he was auditioning other people like all day for the part. And I said, He said, okay, okay. And we literally were sitting in the stairwell of the motel we were staying in.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And he's like, Oh, I don't have my reading glasses. And I was like, He's like, I only have five minutes, Marsha. And I was like, Okay, well, I have my computer. And so we just did the scenes and then he goes okay now now i get to go and read people for this who will never be as good as you are
0: yeah. <laughs> That's what he
1: does. but then he still you know he finally called me a few days later Zoom, he zoomed to me and told me that i had the part that he wanted me to play it so it,
0: and it That's was so good. it was magical and this is the Hail Mary. This is the one that's coming out yeah. very soon. Is that right?
1: Yeah, this is the Hail Mary. Yeah, he's he's in the. He, we just filmed it this summer, so he's in the process of editing, and it's it's looking really good. I've seen over a little over half of the movie, and it's it's just it's such a wonderful story, and it has so much heart.
0: So, Masha talk to us about the pandemic uh, from a from the entertainment um, entertainment industry perspective. You've got five films, or possibly six films, in post production at the moment. Uh, which I'm guessing were all filmed pre-COVID restrictions. Is that correct?
1: Uh, Well, Lucky Louie and Hail Mary were both during COVID.
0: Right. Um, Okay. Lucky
1: Louie was all 2020 we filmed, but we were just all wearing masks and, you know, testing and stuff like that. Yeah. And then Hail Mary was a little looser because everyone had been vaccinated for the most part, you know, last summer and, uh, yeah. Omicron hadn't decided to rear its ugly head. Um,
0: yeah. So, I, I mean Delta
1: like, had just started rearing.
0: Oh, okay. So everyone just tried to get as much shooting in as possible before uncertainty <laughs> hit, I guess.
1: And I also think that, you know, most of us were vaccinated. I would say 95% of our cast and crew were fully vaccinated at that point, And that was mm. providing good protection
0: at that point. Yeah. I was just going to say, how depressing was it for, I mean, like for, um, I mean, yourself and I'm guessing your colleagues and your friends uh, in the industry, to have that uncertain cloud over you all for such an uncertain period of time, pre-vaccination at least.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, my husband and I, I had, my daughter was graduating from high school, which was an unfortunate time. You know, that was, I think that for kids that age um, who were just like, you know, they're leaving there, are this big moment of leaving high school and going off to college. And then you're at college and you can't really talk to anybody because you have to wear a mask everywhere. And, you know, it was just, it was very sort of, I feel like it really affected kids that age a ton. Um, right. of course it affected everyone in my industry. I know several friends who just kind of left the business for a while. One of my friends went back to Michigan where he was from, you know, he'll right. come back now. Uh, yeah, we just de- didn't know when work was going to come in. I mean, my husband and I and our son, who's you know an adult, we all just came up. We have a house upstate New York, and we all just came up here and quarantined for, I would say, the first four months of it, for sure. We got out of New York City. New York City was, it was so hard and so sad what happened yeah. in New York City and just devastating that we were really lucky to have a place to go to where we – could still walk outside and you know walk our dogs and yeah, you know, and not then just feel, be like, together. All shut in.
0: Yeah, yes. be together without the aid of a screen as well. It must have helped a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was you know, I mean, my daughter was doing school online, finishing up school online and stuff like that. And my husband, luckily, uh, we have a, He has an office downstairs, so he was able. He's a television producer, so he was mm. able to keep working on his shows because. Uh, he has a show called Barnwood Builders, which is a big hit here on the mm. DIY channel. Or now it's called Magnolia, I believe. Um, and it all shoots outside, and the guys could drive to their locations, so he was actually able to keep that going. Um, and then he was supposed to do. He does a show called After the Catch, which is a, a it's like a roundup show of Deadliest Catch. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah,
0: there. yeah. I know the concept. Crab yeah. fishermen and
1: you know. it's a great, yeah. yeah. So he, he was able to do like zoom with all the captains and Mike Rowe, who's the host. And he was like doing zoom after the catches, you know, sort of at the beginning of the, of the zoom craze. Yeah. Um, so that was good. So luckily he was able to keep working, but because as actors, there was really nothing nothing yeah. going on. Uh, that's why I was really grateful when Dan was like, let's, let's try to make this movie, you know, lucky yeah. Louie's like, let's just do it. It's small. He and his daughter wrote it. They co-directed it. And, um, so I was grateful to do that.
0: I love it, Masha. The next, you know, what does the next, let's just say, ten years hold for you? I mean, what are you? Are you pursuing anything specifically, or do you have any hopes that you want to achieve? Are you gonna, are you gonna push harder in the acting? Uh, or maybe go back to the stage? What are you looking at?
1: I would love to go back to the stage now that things are happening again. Uh, on you know, in New York, plays are happening again on stage finally again. Uh, that would be a blast. I would. I mean, I still would love to be on like a TV series or something. There's a lot shooting up here where I live upstate in the Hudson Valley, and it would be nice to to get on something like that, I think. I mean, I'd love to work with Eddie again, of course. Mm. Um. That would be a dream. I haven't seen him in a while, so that would be really fun to see him and work with him again. I know he's got one movie in there. I'm like, let's do the Hamptons movie, I always call it. I don't even know what it is. But anyway, <laughs> maybe I was like, Eddie, hey, let's do the Hamptons movie. Um, and and I, of course, I would love to continue working with my friend Dan Roebuck because we really have such a wonderful time together. And he, he writes really beautiful stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I should be more proactive, I think. <laughs> I'm kind of a lazy actor. I kind of yeah. wait till things. I'm really bad that way. <laughs>
0: it's fantastic! you got an as a result of it, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of, I, I'm officially retired. I get my pension, which is really nice, you know. Okay, but yeah, I don't really great. want to be retired. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't know what will come our way. My husband talks about, you know, going b- back to Ohio and getting a farm and having horses, you know. I'm like, wow, yeah, maybe, but can we keep our place in New York, <laughs>
0: you know. <laughs> yes. One so uh, yeah.
1: I guess I mostly just want, like, good health and my family to have good health and for my dogs to still be alive in 10 years. That would be nice.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, Marsha, as, as a fan of your work um, and – um, not just you know, a fan that sought out your work, but a fan that has been pleasantly surprised to see you spring up in a lot of shows that I've come across um through either through my father watching Law and Order or through my wife watching um, Gossip Girl or through me watching, you know Edward Burns's films as a student of his work. You've never failed to um, to do uh, what it is that you do in such an outstanding fashion, which is uh, tell stories and really, you know, inhabit the characters that you are. You're never yourself. You're an enigmatic char- uh, character actor. And I thank you for the work that you've done. And I thank you for your friendship. And thank you so much for agreeing to spend an hour with me today, because uh, I know your time is precious, but it was really a blast to talk to you. Um, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Marsha.
1: Oh my gosh, you make me blush so much. Um, it is my pleasure. I'm, I think that one of the great things about social media is that you become friends with people that you don't necessarily have to meet in person, but that you respect. And, and I hope next time you come to New York, I'll meet you at Walker's, okay?
0: <laughs> oh, that would be, uh, yeah, look, you've got it. Lunch is on uh, my wife and I. You've got it. No problem.
1: Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for having me. Tom.
0: Thank you, Marsha Daitlin bennett It was been fantastic to have you as a guest. And we will will talk again soon. Thank you very much.
1: Yes. Take care, honey.